This episode was recorded before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Abortion is a sensitive topic, but it's a very important one. If you aren't feeling up to listening today, I just wanted to give you a chance to avoid it. That said, I do think that Sherry Finkbein's story is important, so I hope that you'll come back and listen to it at another time when you're ready. For every story in the fight for abortion that we know, there are so many more that we don't. And we never will, because so many people died. As we look back at the history of abortion in America today, we need to do whatever we can to make sure that more stories and lives are not lost. Let me that. So one of the most enduringly controversial issues in U.S. politics is reproductive health care access, specifically the legality of abortions. While I think most people are familiar with the landmark Supreme Court case that legalized abortion, Roe v. Wade, there was a case uh, involving a woman from Arizona that happened probably like 10 years earlier, and it actually was a really important case in terms of the history of the broader abortion conversation in the United States. While Roe v. Wade kind of gets all the attention, I think that this case is actually really important for people to know about. So I wrote about it earlier this year, but I actually really wanted to talk about it because I think that as these conversations continue to come up, I I think it's important to acknowledge the people who have been involved in this fight. So this is the story of a woman named Sherry Finkbein. In the 1960s, she was living in Arizona, raising her children. Her husband was a high school English teacher and she had a degree in, in broadcast journalism, but was working for a local television affiliate doing a show called Romper Room. And Romper Room was kind of like a Mr. Rogers type show. It was like a kid's show and there were kids on the show. But each individual sort of region had their own version of the show and so she was the host of that show. And she got pregnant as if a pregnancy wouldn't have been enough to sort of like complicate her job situation at that point because it was still totally legal to discriminate against a woman because she was pregnant. The first thing that happened was that she had really severe morning sickness and some other symptoms during her pregnancy and this wasn't necessarily uncommon. She had had several children beforehand and so she knew kind of what to expect. But her husband had recently returned from a class trip that he had chaperoned to the United Kingdom. And while he was there, he was given a sedative, which he brought back to the United States with him because he didn't finish the prescription. And he thought, well, you know, somebody will probably use it. So as she was continuing to feel quite ill, she remembered that this drug was in the medicine cabinet. She asked her husband about it and he said, yeah, they gave it to me for like to calm down, you know, for nerves. It's probably like totally safe for you to take because it didn't do anything to me. So she took it. She actually took it fairly regularly for several weeks. And then she started to hear news stories, horror news stories about a drug called thalidomide and the drug that she had been taking which was not available in the U.S. because of these horror stories in the news that she had acquired because of her husband's trip to Europe where it was regularly prescribed. It meant that she had been taking a fairly regular dose of thalidomide during her pregnancy not knowing how dangerous it was. She immediately stopped taking it, went to her doctor and her doctor said well there is a very good chance that the fetus has been adversely affected by the thalidomide and their recommendation was that she terminate the pregnancy. Sherry Finkbein did something very brave. She decided that she wanted to share her story. She wanted to warn other women, but she did not want her name to be in the press because she knew that she was kind of high profile. So she went to somebody that she knew at a newspaper locally in Arizona and she said, on the condition of anonymity, I would like to talk about the fact that I took this drug unknowingly and that now I'm in the position of having to have an abortion. But then a couple weeks after the story 
ran and women started coming forward and being like, oh my God, you know, what is this drug? And like, how do we know if we're safe? Da, da, da. Basically, somebody doxed her, revealed her identity, and they ran like a sensational story about Miss Sherry, who was on the show and was like beloved by, you know, all the kids in this part of Arizona. And like people knew her, you know, basically said, well, Miss Sherry is going to have an abortion. And people lost their goddamn minds about it. People would like walk on the other side of the street to avoid her. And then she started getting like hate mail. People would actually like send stuff to her house. And then actually it got to the point where they had to have constant monitoring by police because people were throwing rocks through their windows and trying to hurt her kids, you know, when they were walking home from school. And like her whole family became embroiled in this constant barrage of violence from the community. And once the story went national, it got even worse. So the problem was, is that at this point, the hospitals in the United States that she had been working with were willing to do what they called like a therapeutic abortion, given that they were fairly confident that the the fetus would be severely deformed and may not even survive birth. Now, at this point in history, it wasn't like she could just go have a million ultrasounds and actually know for sure, but they knew enough about thalidomide and they knew how much she had been taking, so they were able to make a pretty decent guess. Now, the problem was is that once this became so high profile, the hospitals in Arizona refused to do the abortion because it was basically bad press. So she had to go out of state, except that by the time she decided that she wanted to go out of state to try to get an abortion, it had become a national news story. And Sherry Finkbein could not get any hospital in America to allow her to have an abortion. So what ended up happening was that she had to go basically all over the friggin' world. She tried to go to Asia. She tried to go through Northern Europe. And finally, literally like six weeks of trying to find somebody somewhere to allow her to have an abortion and to have an abortion safely. In the summer of 1962, she and her husband arrived in Sweden and abortion was legal in Sweden and the hospital there granted her permission to have an abortion there. By this point, the story had become actually international because people had been following her all over the world while she was trying to access an abortion. And so as it turned out that by the time they got to Sweden, the press there was so interested in the story that they actually treated her fairly well and they made sure that she had comfortable accommodations and that they had the things that they needed while they were going through this really terrible experience. In 45 minutes, the abortion was done and the doctors confirmed what they had suspected all along, which was that the fetus was extremely malformed. It basically had no legs, only one arm, and there was no way that it would have survived birth and it would have been horrendously traumatizing for her. This whole story was one of the first high-profile cases, probably the first in the United that came out of the United States, where people started to actually sit down and have conversations about abortion, not just in broad strokes, but to literally say, you know, what would I do if I was in that situation? Sherry Finkbein's story is incredibly important to the women's health movement, to reproductive rights, and it's a story that is not often told.